myself again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn You look back and it's all in the past Good afternoon and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith, and I'm delighted to welcome Mick Lewis back to the show. How are you, Mick? I'm very good to see you. Yeah, good to see you, mate, and as always, only the football spoils my weekend, so we're back on again to discuss Newcastle United. We'll take the questions of the fans who are tuning in, and uh, just want to thank everybody for subscribing on the channel this week. Uh, over a thousand new subscribers this week, which is uh, quite phenomenal, and um, just shows that people are enjoying the content, so thanks very much for doing that. Um, Mick, yesterday, was it a, a point earned or two points dropped? Um, I think probably in the scheme of things, Steve... Um Believe it or not, I'll probably say um, a point gained. Um, I know they had chances. I know Wolverhampton Wanderers had chances. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, they were under siege at the end. Uh, they were hanging on to a, a, a you know a, a 1-0 lead initially, uh, then a one-aller. So I think probably in the scheme of things, when these things pan out over a season and you look back at results over the final 15, 16 games, as much as you'd love your team to win four or five, actually, it's about not losing. It's about not shipping goals. Um, so, in the scheme of things, all right, it's it's a home to Wolves. Um, but off the back of their recent form, I think it's probably a point gained. Okay, there's, um, you know, from our perspective, it's, it's been a bad, bad, you know, day at the shop for injuries. Almiron, uh, nothing yeah. confirmed yet, but he's going for a scan. And um, obviously ASM limping off again. And with Wilson already in the in the treatment room and, and not coming back anytime soon, um, it, it, you know, it was a bad day for injuries. Yeah, and obviously, you know, the two, the two players who invariably take the eye, um, Almiron and St Maxim, um, are the two that you really worry about. I mean, I, I'm not sure what the, the extent of the injury is. Um, Almiron, I would probably worry about more than St. Maxim, believe it or not. Um, but the key injury, the key injury uh, is Callum Wilson. Because at this minute in time, you look at the three teams at the bottom or, you know, I know you can stretch it. I know you can say Burnley and Brighton are involved and they probably are involved. Um, but essentially, you, what you're worrying about most of all at the moment are Fulham. Fulham don't score goals. Brighton don't score goals. You know, what was the stat flying around yesterday? 66 shots on target. Uh, sorry, so 66 shots on goal, 20 on target, one goal for Brighton in the last three games. Now, you know, we're not great, but Callum Wilson is in the top 10 Premier League scorers. He's sitting on the sidelines. We've got nobody else. I don't want to, and I, I came on today because seven games ago, a month ago, whatever it was, I sort of laid into Joe Linton. Uh, and at the end of the day, I've said what I've said, and it's not constructive to keep going on about it. But if you look at the way they played yesterday in Newcastle, their approach play was good. All right, Wolves never really lifted a finger in the opening half hour, but Newcastle were decent. Almiron was a danger. St. Maxim, in his own way, was okay. You know, Hayden and, 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 and the likes were driving them on. They were okay. It was just until it got to the final third, the part of the park where you want, I know we're dreaming now, but you want a shearer or you want just you just want a proven goal scorer to finish off the hard work that's been done by the rest of the side. What do we have? Absolutely nothing. We have a 40 million pound bloke who is an absolute waste of time. So I felt so sorry for the rest of the side because they're slinging in crosses. 
they're trying to work openings. Almiron's hit a post, but I'm not too sure he might not have been offside. Anyway, but, but either way, you know, these players are, are working and working and working and there's no end product. So, you know, to go back to my original point, you know, there's there's no goals in there. We, we need goals from somewhere. Um, but so too the Brighton and so too the Fulham. Fulham are just as bad, if not worse, particularly at home, than the, the Newcastle. So, you know, it, it, it's it's all going to come out in the wash. And it really, after after yesterday, you know, when I came on a month ago, it was it was doom and gloom. I mean, it was proper doom and gloom. Um, I'm not sure it's any better now because Fulham are closer to us. But at the same time, we are then in turn closer to Burnley and to Brighton. And in the seven games since I've come on, we've won twice. So it, it, it's... It's re- it's very difficult to argue. Is it is the situation worse uh, than a month ago or better? Yeah, it is certainly that. Um, I've just picked up a few quotes from Steve Bruce's press conference after the game. Yeah. You know, he, he he picked players out, which uh, sometimes managers don't do. But he he said Lewis should have stopped the cross. Uh, obviously, for that goal, Debravka, of course, making his return in between the sticks. He said he should have done better. Uh, the most controversial one for me was Richie didn't pass instructions on um, when he went onto the pitch. Obviously, that tactical change. And Joe Linton should have scored. I don't think anybody will disagree with that. But what was your take on his press conference after the match? Um, I think the last time I was on, I talked about how how harrowing and, and how um, subdued and how uh, you know almost ill he looked um, after the Villa game. And I'm not saying he looked he looked any better, but I think I think he had more um, to talk about last night than he did then. In terms of, I agree. I know they've picked up on the on the substitution, and I know they've picked up on the lack of communication. And I'll come back to that in a second. But the bottom line is, and I don't think any Newcastle fan listening to this or watching this will disagree with this: Jamal Lewis can't defend. Jamal Lewis, who was allegedly wanted by. Liverpool. I mean, Liverpool love 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 fullbacks who can get forward. I mean, they've got two of the best in the business. But and presumably they wanted Jamal Lewis for that same reason. Newcastle needs Jamal Lewis to be a defender first and foremost, not an attacking fullback as Liverpool would have used him. As a defender, he's not good. He's not good. I watched it time and time again. He was that you know the, the winger wasn't even beating him for pay. The winger was just moving it and whipping it in. And it happened before the goal. And sure enough, when he got it for the goal, I said, stop the cross. Not only does he not stop the cross, but the header, I mean, it's a brilliant header. It's a brilliant header. You know, it's behind him and he's put it in the bottom corner. But again, the keeper's got a hand to it. And if if a keeper in the Premier League gets a hand to that, that hand has to be strong enough to keep it out. So all these conspiracy theories about Richie didn't do this, Richie didn't do that, bloody, bloody, blah, nonsense. At the end of the day, a fullback didn't do his job and a goalkeeper didn't do his job. It was nothing to do with communication. And on the subject of communication, I don't know if anybody was watching the, the rugby in the afternoon, um, but the England Wales game, there was an interesting interview afterwards um, by the BBC with Owen Farrell. And the question was asked of Owen Farrell. We heard you moaning at the referee about this, that and the other. We heard you moaning to your players. Were you unhappy with your players? Now, if there's 80,000 in the Principality Stadium in Wales, you don't hear that. But journalists are now being given the opportunity 
to hear what goes on on the pitch. Owen Farrell completely blanked the question, quite rightly, because he's thinking, what on earth's going on? People are hearing what we're saying on the pitch. Exactly the same yesterday. Lascelles was asked the question afterwards, we understand, we heard you say. Likewise with the Richie, we heard the bench shouting, do this, do that. Now, is this right? Is this wrong? But it's a product of empty stadiums where everybody hears and sees. But not everybody, not fans, journalists and, you know, others in the stand. So, you know, they've picked up on that as a, and I hate to say it because I've not come on here again to defend him. With it, They've used it as, as a stick to beat Steve Bruce, you know, who is allegedly unable to get his players to communicate. Take responsibility, players. When, when, when you play the game of football, you know, you don't need to be told, oh, go out there and do your job. Just go out there and do your job. Yes, it was interesting in that instance that Kraft as a right fullback was being taken off and Richie as an essentially left-sided player was going on. And I did wonder when I was watching the substitution, how does this work? But it had nothing to do, nothing to do with the goal. The goal was down to Jamal Lewis, unable to stop a cross, and Martin Dubravka, unable to stop what was a good header, but was definitely a savable header. Yeah, I would agree. Um, let's start in a couple of questions, Mick. Uh, Lee Taylor is wanting to know, should we be concerned about Steve Bruce not being able to get a message across to players? I mean, obviously it was mentioned yesterday, he felt Richie didn't pass the message on, yeah. but we did have that you know, glorious moment against Arsenal when Willems yeah. came on and we conceded you know, straight away after lack of information getting on. Is, is, it, is it a concern that? Well, I have to say, you know, you're right. Um, and, and if it happens once, it's unfortunate if it starts happening regularly. I mean, I, as I said there, I don't believe that um, uh, that was the that was that was the reason that they conceded the goal, that, that the communication was poor. I think that was just down to the fact that players didn't do their jobs and it had nothing to do with the substitution of Richie. Um, but a couple of things I did notice uh, last night. One was the body language between Graham Jones and Steve Bruce. It was appalling. I mean, I only saw it a couple of times, but there was one conversation in particular where the, the camera must have gone on them for 20 seconds. And as Graham Jones was talking and presumably trying to put a point across, Steve Bruce looked like he would rather be anywhere in the world than listening to this fella. His, his eyes were going here and there. He was clearly not listening. I've heard other stuff today on, on, on the internet, which, again, is, is probably debatable at best, um, that there were more uh, heated discussions between the pair of them. On the plus side, what I would say is, and I have no idea whether this is down to Graham Jones, and I have no idea where it's come from. So I'm not saying that this is something that Graham Jones has, has instigated since arriving. But the one thing that was noticeable um, to me watching that game yesterday that I've not seen in anything either this season or in the recent past was their invention on corners and free kicks. Things going short, corners going short, free kicks going short, little bits of invention, little bits of stuff that they've clearly worked on on the training pitch. And actually, you know, on two or three occasions, very nearly came off. I saw things last night that I hadn't seen in, in games going back recently. Now, if that's down to Jones as a coach or if that's down to the whole lot of them, I don't know. But but that is a noticeable change. But, you know, whether Steve Bruce can communicate with his players or not, I don't know. 
I don't know. There, there was an, interesting. There was another conversation on the touchline between Steve Bruce, St. Maxim, and I think it was Jamal Lewis during a stoppage in play. And again, I wasn't convinced that the players were listening to what Steve Bruce was saying. But I'll tell you what, in the current climate, Steve, I would not be a manager for all the money and all the tea in China. It's, it's you know, these players, as, as I say, need to take responsibility. You know, there's only so much a coach, there's only so much a manager can do. Um, they weren't bad yesterday, but you know, the, 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 three, the three most attacking, the three most potent, the three most um, eye-catching players on the pitch, certainly for the first hour last night, were St. Maxim, uh, Almiron and Traore for Wolves. Not one of them has an end product. They would drive managers, they drive fellow teammates crazy because they run down blind alleys. They do this, they do that. Managers must despair at these players um, because at the end of the day, they're not the brightest in the world. That, that you know, it's my my favourite saying of all time uh, in modern day football is that once upon a time we created footballers who we wanted to be athletes. Now we have athletes who are dying to be footballers. They're not. Great way of putting it, Mick. Great way of putting it. As always, we'll get questions which uh, test your memory. Uh, this one is a good one. Darren says, Mick, if you could go back in time, which yeah. game would you want to do commentary on again? I'd want to do commentary on uh, uh, Liverpool, Newcastle at Anfield, uh, and I'd want Stan Collymore to be substituted after an hour, and I'd want Newcastle to win 3-2. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that was the game where I was sitting in the centenary stand and had to hot-footed across uh, the park back to the bus because I was sitting amongst the home supporters who were wanting to cut me through. So, yeah, that was a, yeah. a happy memory, but um, for all the wrong reasons. John Richard says, do you think Steve Bruce is capable of keeping our club in the Premier League? Because at the moment, John believes that he's lost the plot. It's, it's debatable. It, it, it is highly, highly debatable. I came on here a month ago, Stephen said that I'd already... Uh, nailed my colours to the mast and said that having lost at Villa the previous day, if they lost at Leeds, uh, he probably should go. And I, actually, I think I said that day, you know, for, for the good of the club and for the good of, of Newcastle United, give somebody who's coming in enough time um, that he should go. Uh, we're seven games down the line from that particular Sunday afternoon. Um, and as I said, it, it's Sod's law, but, but he's won two out of seven and he got a draw last night. So, We've gone from a situation where um, he had no win in 10 last time I was on and they were literally treading water. Uh, and as I said at the top of the show, you know, even though Fulham are closer to us, we in turn are closer to Brighton and Burnley. You know, uh, you know, we are the centre of attention every year. We're in relegation trouble from the media. I mean, the, the lad who did the commentary last night is a good friend of mine, but he, he he's playing to the crowd in the final 10 minutes when... Wolves have got corner after corner, and he's given it. God, this is amazing. Newcastle, they're, they're, they're in peril. Bloody blah. That wouldn't be the same if it was Brighton or Burnley in danger of uh, of going from one nil down, uh, one nil up to two one down. Newcastle are the bigger story. That there will always be um, the bigger story. So, you know, having picked up, you know, seven points from the last eighteen doesn't read quite as well as having picked up nine points from the last 45. And, and and you go back through the stats and you can crunch all the numbers, Steve. You know, nobody uh, in terms of, let's let's go back to the most pertinent um, scenarios, 
when when Steve Bruce, uh, sorry, Steve McLaren was replaced by Benitez, uh, and Alan Shearer came in for Joe Kinnear around about this sort of time, that the incumbent managers hadn't won two of their previous seven, hadn't picked up seven points from their previous eighteen. They were nowhere near it. They were nowhere near it. We were in complete freefall. Now we were in complete freefall a month ago. You could argue we're still pretty much in freefall, but it has tightened up a little bit. All I would say is I'm a little bit more, a little bit more confident that we might survive than I was a month ago. But at the same time, as you mentioned earlier, injuries could kill us. And Wilson's obviously the big one, but uh, Almiron, St. Maxim, yeah, but Almiron is, I like Almiron's attitude. Um, You know, a lot of what he does is frustrating, but I like the fact that he works hard. I like the fact um, that he creates things. And he will be, if he's out for a considerable period of time, that's a huge miss. Yeah, it is. It is a big miss. Um, it's not the Rafa Benitez, but uh, someone under that pseudonym today says, Afternoon all. I think Joe Linton wasted his chances last night. Had Wilson had those chances, I dare say that he would have scored. I mean, Bruce did comment on Joe Linton at the end of the game and, you know, he, he looked, you know, frustrated as we all were. Um, you know, but we've discussed this before and, and, and you know, I don't I, I don't want to get back into the, no. you know, having ha- hammering the guy. It does no good. He's just, unfortunately... It's a position we'll find Rubbish. ourselves in with a £40 million player that can't do the business. It'll be driving him mad, Steve. I mean, I, I said it plenty of times last time I was on. And he did allude to it. He did allude to it. And obviously, he's got to be quite careful what he says, Steve Bruce. But I think his exact quote after the game I heard last night was something along the lines of, we were OK until the final third. And then he said something like, that's why that's why we pay the money for those players or or something like that. And it's absolutely, you know, it's a hundred percent correct. And they mm-hmm. paid forty million for somebody who they thought would put a ball in the back of the net. And if that person had put the, I mean, three goals in fifty-eight, you know, Callum Wilson has scored ten this season on his own. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 scary how bad he is. And as as I said earlier or a month ago, um, it's unforgivable. It really is unforgivable. And, and Steve Bruce has to live with that. He has, to, he has to work with this guy. And now, because of Callum Wilson's injury, he has to play this guy. Yeah, uh, and now I've gone at Selhurst Park, still nil-nil. I'll keep you up to date with that throughout the rest of the programme. For those of you interested at the other end of the table, Leicester were 1-0 up, but they're now 3-1 down um, at home to Arsenal. Roger Cook, he says, do you think the defence was better with Dubravka, Mick? Um, I think I said when I was on here last time that for all the people shouting uh, and screaming and lauding um, uh, Darlow, I thought he was suspect on crosses. Um, but I don't think Debrack is the finished article by any means either. Um, so I think you've, you've, what you've got is you've probably got two keepers who are pretty much much of a muchness. And their strengths in, in both cases is shot-stopping. Um, and, uh, and while Darlow, for me, is suspect... Um, on crosses. I mean, Dubravka's distribution last night was a disaster waiting to happen. I mean, either either clearing his lines or or passing the ball or or, or taking back passes. You know, every every time it went back to him, you were you were slightly worried and slightly suspect um, as as to what was going to happen. So, to answer the question, no, not not particularly. I didn't I didn't think the the, the defense. The, I think the problem with the defense is. The, the, the two full-backs 
Um, I mean, Kraft is is mediocre. Jamal Lewis, as I mentioned, is decent going forward, but is just not a defender. Kieran Clark for me is your absolute linchpin. Kieran Clark again was very good last night. I like Kieran Clark. He's a proper proper player. Lascelles has scored a goal, which you know when the cross goes in, you think, "Oh, it's 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 Joel Linton." That's what a centre forward does. No, it's Lascelles. But fair play to him. He got in there and he scored the goal. But again, I think Lascelles flatters to deceive. But defensively, they're not all over the place. But I don't think the Bravka makes them infinitely better. Um, than Darlow would. Yeah, John Askew's asking, as a respected journal, should the post-match interviewer be asking Bruce why he picks Joe Linton? But I think my question really would be, you know, why was he allowed to select journalists last night? He only accepted two uh, members of the written press last night. And I don't know who it was. Um, it'll be easy to find out. Just check the newspapers. But I just, yeah. I find the, I find alienating himself from various members of the press, it, it, it's not going to bode well, is it? It's funny, Steve, because when I, when I was on here last time, the story broke or, or somebody texted in or emailed in uh, that they'd heard that Steve Bruce, uh, that the written journos wouldn't be able to question him um, in his press conference the next day. And I sort of said, I don't know for, for certain, but if that's the case and that's been taken out of Steve Bruce's hands, I would be absolutely devastated if I was Steve Bruce because that is basically an admission that I can't deal with the written press as it turned out it was Steve Bruce's doing you know this if this is Steve Bruce's doing as well that's just bad that's that, that's poor you know you know you either are man enough to front up um and you know no manager no player you know no I mean as I'll go back to the interview and, and people should dig it out Sonia McLaughlin of, of, of Five Live did with Owen Farrell after the England-Wales game yesterday. She just kept on and on and on. And that is her right as a journalist. Owen Farrell didn't like it. it came very close to sort of spitting his dummy out and walking away. But at least she got to do the interview. If Steve Bruce is in a position where he can pick and choose who asks him questions, that's wrong. There was a famous... There's a very well-known journalist who I won't name who talks about club press officers as Pravda, that they are Pravda, which for anybody who doesn't know the history, um, was basically the uh, the voice piece of the Communist Party when Lenin and Marx started um, Bolshevism, etc. But basically, it is a state-run, uh, a little bit like you know Nazi Germany, um, where nobody gets to ask the questions other than those who asked the safe questions. Now, again, if Steve Bruce is going down that line, that's incredibly dangerous. And and it and it doesn't endear him to anybody, it doesn't endear him to me, and it won't endear him to the press. And as you say, it won't he won't ultimately do himself any favours at all. So I'm 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 disappointed if that is true, that that's what's happening. It's the way it works though, Mick, isn't it? I mean you you were involved for, well, for years you, and, and, and every I, manager has their favourites. Yeah, but but, you know, you say that it's the way it works. It wasn't ever the way it worked. You know, what, when, when, I, was, when I was doing it, 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 you know, everybody fronted up. If you didn't like it, you had it out with the journalist. If you didn't like the question, you flat battered the question. If you didn't like the question, you maybe had a go at the journalist. But what you didn't do was sidestep the question. What you didn't do was say, I'm not prepared. 
to answer that question because I don't think it's a fair question. You know, you, you can't do that. If the question's unreasonable, people will make their own mind up. People will say, that interviewer is wrong, you know? But you don't say, I'm sorry, you can because you're going to ask nice questions and you can't because you might ask a nasty question. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The public have the right to know. And going back to the point I made about there being no crowds in the stadium, journalists are now feeding off scraps. So they have to pick up on things like, oh, did you just hear the substitute say to the other substitute, I hate the manager. I think the manager's crap, you know? Which would mm. once upon a time, if there was 50,000 in the stadium, you'd never hear. And once upon a time, journalists would be respectful that that's off bounds. But now, because they're being treated as if, you know, they're not, they're not given anything, they've got to feed off whatever they can get. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Fungo Freddy's wanting to know if it's time to give youth a chance. And I think what he's trying to say really is, um, you know, some of these players are just going through the motions. Um, would, would you give some of the youngsters a, a chance to shine and, and potentially keep Newcastle in the Premier League? It's a difficult one, Steve. It, you know, it, it, this is one of the, you know, the, the big burning questions in, in football for years and years. Um, you know, do you, do you play a youngster and run the risk of essentially ending his career or, or certainly hurting and harming his development by throwing him into... The difference being, of course, that in all of this, there's nobody watching them. You know, once upon a time, if you were Johnny 18-year-old and Johnny 19-year-old and you got thrown in and Newcastle needed three points to stay up in the Premier League and you've got a one-on-one -on -one with the goalkeeper in the 89th minute, your heart's going 5,000 to the dozen you miss the post, you never play again hmm. because you're never forgiven, you never recover. Nowadays, there's no one in the stadium, so maybe there is more of an argument for it. The other side of the coin is, um, you know, maybe the, the adrenaline's not there and, and the player thinks to himself, well, what's the point? You know, it's. It, I, I, I think you have to go at this moment in time, at, 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 the, at, the, at the tough end and the sharp end of the season, you have to go with proven players. You have to go with people who, you know, can cope with the pressure. And the pressure, as I mentioned earlier, is far greater on Newcastle because they are the bigger story than they are on, on Fulham or Brighton or Burnley or West Bromwich Albion, who are, who are a big football club in their own right. But Newcastle, everybody, we know it, all the neutrals, oh, God, Newcastle are struggling, oh, Newcastle will go down, Ashley, Bruce, blah bloody blah um, it's 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 a tough it's a tough which is why as I said you know a month ago maybe it is time for a change because it needs um, maybe a new broom to sweep clean. Simple question from Spenny Maggie says: Do you see us staying up, Mick? As I said earlier, I I think I'm slightly slightly more confident, and and it might sound strange because Fulham are that much closer to us, but we are then in turn that much closer to Burnley um, and to Brighton. The one thing I would say is we've got 12 games left. And if you look at the fixtures, we've got West Bromwich Albion, Brighton, Burnley and Sheffield United. It's in our hands. You know, what, what you don't want is a situation where it's not in your hands. Now, three of those four games are away. Um, and if you, look at the, if you look at the stats, and I said you can crunch the numbers in all manner of ways, in your favour, against, you know, whatever way you think you can come up with a scenario. 
In 2008, 2009, we were relegated by a point. In 2015, 2016, we were relegated by two points. Fulham, last game of the season, is three points. I'm finding it almost impossible not to think it will come down to Fulham, if not Fulham and Sheffield United the game before. Um, it's just it's just the way it works. You know, you, you it's not a, it's not like a tap. You can't turn it on and off. And they can't turn it on and off either. Fulham, Burnley, Brighton, whoever, West Brom. You can't go from being a poor team to a good team just because it's the sharp end of the season. You're used to losing. You're a poor team. They will lose. None of those teams will win, mark my words, none of those teams will win more than two or three games of the final 12. It's just a case of who you win against. And if we can beat, certainly Sheffield United and Fulham, if not West Bromwich Albion away from home, we might be all right. Yeah, OK. Um, we were talking about this off-air. We were going to bring it up anyway, but Tim Cairns has already beaten us to it. Has the officials in VAR missed again? A penalty and a sending off. As Sayers handled the ball in an obvious goal opportunity, there seems to be rulings for some and not for all. We were also talking about the ludicrous situation that developed between West Brom and Brighton yesterday. It's, it's madness, Steve, because as much as anything, we don't know, the players don't know, even the officials don't know what Stockley Park are deeming to be a right decision or a wrong decision. Um, handballs in particular, you've no idea. I mean, there were a couple last night, weren't there? There was the one that they looked at where a ball's... I can't even remember whether it was for Newcastle or against Newcastle. Ball's gone to the back post. Guy's headed it against the back of the defender's arm who can't see what the guy's doing behind him. And they're reviewing it. Why even review it? It can't be a penalty. It can't be a penalty. Other ones where, you know, balls are blasted at arms, um, you can't get out of the way. Um, it's I, uh, The one that really, really frustrates me, and I think if I was a commentator, I would just go mad, I would go nuts, is the offside flag never being raised until the end of the move, until we've had some sort of completion of what was happening. So last night, everyone's talking about Almiron hitting that post. I'm not sure Almiron was on onside or offside. And we won't, we won't ever know. I mean, we, we saw a couple of replays last night which weren't conclusive. But because the ball didn't end up in the back of the net, it was never reviewed. Mm. The whole situation is crazy. And the, I mean, the situation at West Brom last night, I mean, even the referees must hate this. The, the referees must think, what is the point of me refereeing this game? Because Big Brother is watching me all the time. And regardless of what decision I make, they'll overturn it. Now, you knock that down a peg. Linesman, assistant referees, are now thinking, what's the point of me being here? Because, you know, I will invariably be overruled. Uh, I may as well just run up and down the touchline. If I raise my flag, I do it for the right reasons. But I'm not too sure it'll even matter. Yeah, it's crazy. So I suppose this answers Nick uh, Neil's question, which is Mick, if you could change one thing in football at the moment, what would it be? Would it would it be the flag or would it be the VAR? <laughs> it would. It would probably. It would probably be. Although you know, there are there are elements of VAR which are which are good. I mean, you know, the the big one, if you remember, going back 
10, 20 years, whatever. The reason it was brought in essentially, essentially, was goal line technology. Because there were goals that weren't goals and there were non-goals that were goals, if you take my meaning. And, and that is fairly straightforward. But they then got greedy and they then broadened it. And then they thought, well, we can do VAR for offside. And then we can do VAR. And as soon as they started doing VAR, where there was a human element, whereby only the individual, only the human being knows whether he went to hurt somebody, only the human being knows whether that elbow was a deliberate elbow, only a human being knows whether he deliberately dived in the penalty area. A machine can't tell you that. A machine can't, you know, a machine's trying to second guess whether... So now players are clever. So now players are coached to chip the ball against the arm of a player rather than chip the ball to their centre forward at the far post because there's a chance they'll get a penalty because the machine will look at it and think, oh, that's hit the arm. That's a penalty. (laughs) It's mad. It's mad, Steve. So get rid of one thing. Get rid of VAR other than for non-human interaction in football. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, big thanks to our sponsor for this month, uh, Spider VPN. They are staying on for next month as well. Uh, QTechShop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls End, Newcastle. And big thanks to Jab Signature, who make all of our promotional uh, material, flyers, etc. If you want to subscribe to the channel, click the little logo in the bottom right-hand corner. Hit the like button, hit the share button, and don't forget to comment. And if you miss us when we're out, uh, when you're out and about, then you can find us on all the uh, podcast channels, including Spotify and iTunes. And uh, I will, of course, be back tomorrow night uh, at the later time of half past seven uh, with the girls. Ladies' night is a Monday night, and uh, the girls will certainly have uh, a lot to say, as they always do. Uh, let's get back to your questions. And uh, Graham saying, I cannot remember if this was asked on the last show, but. Um, do you think you'll ever go back to commentating on Newcastle or any other teams, Mick? Um, I, I'm not sure, Steve. I mean, you know, it's a bit like everything in life. You never say never. Um, uh, I think I did joke with somebody. I can't remember. Or it might have been this last season when we had Brentford uh, in the quarterfinals of the League Cup. I did say if they ever got to a cup final, I would really, really like to do a cup final. Um, although, I, you know, obviously I've done a losing cup final. But hopefully a winning cup final. Um, I'd, I think I'd probably get, I'd probably just like to see them win something, whether I was commentating on them or not. Um, maybe not. Maybe not. I think um, you know you, you have your time. Um, you know, and, and Matthew Raysbeck who's doing a good job in in my place. You know, <laughs> bearing in mind everything he's been through for the last month, it would uh, I would I would hate to sort of um, uh, deny him. Uh, the opportunity of, of of doing something decent because, I mean, how commentators and how journalists, to be fair, are going through what they're going through at the moment. I I don't know. The, the job's not the same. I mean, the job's not the same for for football managers. The job's not the same for football players. So, um, you know, it's desperately difficult. But um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, Steve. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. Okay, still nil-nil at Crystal Palace. Madge has just gone close. It's all Fulham, so uh, let's hope that Palace can keep that door shut. James Brown says, who's the worst manager you've had to deal with in terms of the media uh, in your days? Oh, um, I mentioned um, Rude Hollett and his um, lack of, uh, what's the word, 
probably empathy or belief in the football club. Um, he was quite hard work, but at the same time, he was rude Holly. You know, I mean, you know, this is Rudy. You know, you you you, you can't believe that. You know, he's walking through the door and you're interviewing him, and he's he's one of the greatest footballers um, the world has ever known. So you sort of forgave him for that, but um, you know. I, it's a very, very difficult job. I mentioned um, last time I was on that, you know, I think one of the reasons why I'm I'm not sure where I stand with Steve Bruce is because I, I don't know him. And, and, and all those managers that, that I worked with, I got to know. And the majority, I quite liked, you know, whether they were good managers, bad managers, indifferent managers. I mean, Joe Kinnear was a strange one. I mean, but then again, that you know, that... That, that, you know that I, what I would say is Steve uh, uh, that Joe Kinnear was probably the most ludicrous appointment I've ever come across in in football. Uh, you know, and the strangest appointment I've ever come across in football. And I think he himself found it difficult to cope with as well. So he he was a strange one. Um, but there weren't there weren't any obviously bad ones. Um, probably 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 hold it for the fact that at that time we were still really on a crest of a wave. You know, we were, we were still a, a club that was really, really um, potentially a, a happening, a happening club. And, 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 you know, I mean, Alan Shearer says he was a good coach. You know, if Alan Shearer says he was a good coach, then you can take it as read that he was a good coach, but as a person, he was quite difficult to deal with. Okay. Uh, Freddie says uh, the Longstaff brothers could have left, uh, last year for a combined fee of 50 million this year they've not really featured the values have plummeted is this down to covid or is it down to bruce not picking youth do you know what it is this is a, this is a very interesting question Stephen. i was thinking about this the other day and i wasn't thinking about it um to do with matty and sean longstaff obviously but it's a it's it, this is an interesting point i don't know what people listening to this will think of this but i was thinking to myself do you know what it is it's amazing amazing how many players, I don't know whether we build them up too quickly, there's probably an element of that. Yeah. But it's amazing how many high-profile players, and I don't count the Longstaffs as, as high-profile players, because God bless them, they were just finding their way, they were thrown in, they did well, you know, they did some spectacular things for very, for very, for very young players. But it's amazing how many players these days, and I think it's because they're not in love with football, Come and go. The two I was thinking of, I watched the game last. I watched two games last weekend. One involved Delhi Alley, who has gone from being, for me, one of the standout, standout, extraordinary you know, midfield players of his generation two years ago, and now might as well be playing for the Dog and Duck in Benton. <laughs> and and Jesse Lingard, who again, two years ago, a year ago, was an absolute mainstay for England. And he's now on loan at West Ham United and people were saying, well, I'm not sure about Jesse Lingard. These players, you know, once upon a time, if a player was a player, he was a player and he'd be a player for 10 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yet they come and go, they ebb and flow. Um, and I don't know why. And I was thinking this to myself last week. And I don't think it applies to Sean and Matty because, you know, they're young men finding their way and 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 that's not easy and and particularly in the current climate because as you say with covid with lack of crowds with the way that you have to sort of approach training etc etc but there are proven professionals week in week out gareth bale 
Gareth Bale was the yeah. most exciting footballer in the world for me. You know, he, he, he was a player five years ago who, honestly, I would pay money in the same way that I'd pay money to watch Sinatra or The Clash or whoever, you know? Now he's scratching around. They say he didn't want to play at Real Madrid. He wanted to play golf. You'll never find the whole truth. But he's come to Tottenham and obviously Levy's brought him to Tottenham. Mourinho doesn't. But this is an absolute God-given talent that Gareth Bale has. And yet he doesn't seem to want to use it or they don't seem to want to use him. So I don't know what's happening in football with, with, with players' progression and players' development. It's almost like it's almost, as I say, I think, I can only think, I can only think it comes down to, to, to love of football and that in turn comes down to money. And if you've got millions and millions and millions, and that's what they've got by the age of 25, 26, what is the incentive to get out of bed in the morning, go training, go and play, wind and rain, no crowds, COVID, I don't know. I'm a big fan of Gibbo. Uh, he does the Thursday night show. I love this this week in the Chronicle. Um, we haven't got leaders. A Bob Monker and Alan Shearer, when he wore the armband, you just looked at them and you didn't dare drop your standards because you knew what was coming your way if you did. And that was from John this week. Who always, like yourself, speaks from speaks from experience and speaks from the heart. Um, yeah. Jamal Asells, I mean, you know, we talked briefly about him in last night's game. You know, is he is he struggling? Do you think with the pressure of the captaincy, Mick? I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's if he's struggling with the 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 pressure of the captaincy. Uh, what I would say is, um, uh, going back, oh, when was it? I can't remember, but um, uh, it was a game at Southampton, probably about five years ago. Uh, and I did an interview with Jamal Lascelles, and I they'd lost again at Southampton, and God bless him, he did the best interview I'd had and done with a young player for years and he came out and he said it like it was he properly properly came out and said we're rubbish fans deserve better we should be better we need to look at ourselves we did this and and honestly it got played all over five live picked it up that night 606 you know jamal lascelles young man only only new to newcastle you know was quite highly thought of at the time um and then went on to be, naturally enough, a skipper of, 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 of Newcastle. Um, but I don't think he's kicked on. I think his heart's in the right place. But I think the problem with Jamal Lascelles is, whether I like it or not, he has to, first and foremost, look after himself as a player. I think he's got slightly sidetracked for the, for, for the right reasons by you know being a spokesperson, being this, that and the other. He needs to look after himself as a defender because as a defender, he has deficiencies, without a doubt. Kieran Clark alongside him, I like. Kieran Clark is proper old school. But I think Jamal Lascelles, you know, needs to concentrate on the football rather than the captaincy. I think if it was me, I might even take the captaincy off him and say, look, you just concentrate on being a centre-half because he's a big presence He's a good player. He scored a good goal. I mean, that's an important... I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding, Steve. In the scheme of things, that header last night, which Joel Linton should be making or a centre-forward should be making from a good cross, that could be the difference between staying in the Premier League and not staying in the Premier League. You know, that's how, that's how fine the margins are going to be in this relegation. So, you know, 
going back, you know, the original question was, do I think he's a he's a good captain? I think he's I think he's taken the armband, but he probably needs to to, to concentrate a little bit more on his defending. Five minutes to go at Selhurst Park, still nil nil. Arsenal still winning at Leicester, three uh, one. Just a little update on the uh, in the on the injuries. Uh, Lee Ryder has just posted uh, this on Twitter, just to say that Alison Maximin is getting a groin injury assessed today, and Emil Kraft needs treatment on a shin problem. Uh, the club still no further forward on Almiron. Uh, Lee's line on that is that Steve Bruce said he was fearful for Almiron, who suffered a knee injury. Almiron's devastation at half time had concerned the United boss and his teammates so obviously we await uh, we await news on that Tom just asking is the ranch show on tomorrow night yes we take the calls uh, Spenny was asking who you would play up front uh, next week in the crucial game against West Brom if the worst case scenario does develop and Almiron Maximin and Wilson are all missing would would, would we have any more choice than Carol and Gale up front what are you doing next weekend, Steve? Yeah. Um, it's it's an impossible question. It's an impossible question. You know, I was I was you know look, looking. I mean, I don't know how many goals Newcastle have scored this season. I think it's twenty four in twenty six or something like that. Wilson's got ten. Um, uh, Almiron's got four, and I think some Maxim is joint third top scorer with two. So that's 16 goals out of a total of 24, 25 that, you know, this, over the whole season. And if you lose all three of them, I don't I don't know where you go. I really don't know where you go because you're not only losing goals in the case of, of, of St. Maxim uh, and, and Almiron, you're losing the invention. You're losing the, the supply line. Uh, I said before, they frustrate me. I, I think they are quintessentially the modern day footballer the athlete who really hasn't got a footballing brain in his head, but they are better, way, way, way much better than anything else we've got. Um, so you take out Wilson, you take out Almiron, and you take out ASM, you've got serious problems. I don't know where you go. You probably, off the top of my head, I would say you might go with Dwight Gale uh, at West Brom, who did very well there on loan, and West Brom wanted to sign him. So maybe going back to a familiar surrounding, might help him, um, and and then and, uh, you know Andy Carroll is the other obvious one, um, just to sort of put a body in there, who's a presence as a physical presence. But then you you know West Bromwich Albion, you know uh, have been decent, and you've got Sam playing against Mike Ashley, who showed him the door. Um, so I'm sure he won't want to do Newcastle any favours, regardless of whether he thinks West Brom will survive. No, definitely not. John Ball wants to take us back onto the goalkeeping situation. Uh, and he just says, back on the goalkeeping situation, did Bruce make the right decision in bringing Dubravka back? As I think, personally, he should have saved the goal uh, yesterday. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, Steve. Absolutely a, a wonderful thing. Um, he was at fault for the goal. Uh, he was at fault for one or two issues where he almost dropped, you know, he almost dropped almighty ricks with, with back passes and clearances. He didn't look confident. He looked nervy. He looked edgy. Um, and yet, I don't know, with his shoulder, with his arm, whatever he's done, he saved the day late on. I mean, that's a point-blank header, which has just hit him and then gone and hit the bar. Um, Creative. But, uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, he, you know, he's got himself in the way. He's made himself big. 
um, regardless of whether it's in his shoulder, his arm, his head, whatever, he's kept the ball out of the back of the net. So it has to be considered a, a, a good save. And and I think, you know, I think he is deserving of, 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 of keeping the shirt. And, 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 you know, Carl Darlow, as I said before, I think he's decent. I think he's a, he's a decent shot stopper and he's, he's done incredibly well, but he's been a bright spark in an otherwise incredibly dull season. So you shouldn't really... He shouldn't really judge him against what he's playing with. And I think Dubravka probably got enough brownie points um, on the basis of what he'd done in previous seasons um, to warrant coming back in. So I, I, don't, I, I don't have any great uh, hard and fast thoughts on either of them. Um, but I think Dubravka um, it was probably due to come back into the side. Yeah, I would agree. Mark says, Mick mentioned Joe Kinnear. Do you think, had Joe not been ill, uh, do you think he would have stayed in the job and he would have kept Newcastle up? Interesting question. It's an interesting question. And, and the easiest way to answer it, Steve, is that as with everything to do with Newcastle United, under the ownership of Mike Ashley, only he knows. Only he knows. Um, you know, the decisions he makes, the things he does, the way he treats the football club, um, the way that he treats the fans, he's a law unto himself. So there is absolutely no point in second guessing him. You know, it's it's the famous it's the famous Cluffy quote, isn't it? If your auntie had balls, she'd be your uncle. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's it, 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 it's ifs and buts and maybes. It really is. If Joe Kinnear hadn't got the job, what would happen? I mean, there is an argument that says if Joe Kinnear hadn't fallen ill, Steve, Hew uh, sorry, Chris Hutton wouldn't have got. His chance, and Steve Hutton, uh, Chris Hutton did fantastically well uh, at Newcastle United. So, um, you know, ifs, buts, maybes. With Mike Ashley, there is absolutely no way of legislating. There's no common sense. There's no logic. There's nothing. It's just him and his whatever little entourage he has. The decisions he makes, he's clearly on the best. When I when I saw that. That conversation between Steve Bruce and, and Graham Jones last night, I thought to myself, here we are. He's, he's done this again. You know, it, he's he's meddled and he's brought people in who uh, those that are at the football club already just want nothing to do with. Jeff Carter says, can you think of anyone apart from Carl Darlow who has improved under Steve Bruce? Oh, dear me. Um... I think, although he never he never really stood still, I think I think he's matured as a player. It's opinion, Steve. You know, there'll be people screaming at this. Of course, but yeah. The, the, the player I quite liked, um, uh, and the player who I thought did stand still, but I think has grown, is Isaac Hayden. I think Isaac Hayden has grown as a player in the last two or three seasons. Um, when when he first came to the club, I liked it. You know, I liked him. I liked his manner. And I remember me and Ando used to say, you know, he's a proper Arsenal player. It's a bit like the boy Joe Willock, you know, you know, you know, he's clearly been brought up with all the proper um, uh, means and ways. Um, and, and Isaac Hayden was like that. But he sort of stood still, Isaac Hayden. And I always thought, and it's interesting, that I'm not sure whether he's a midfield player, he could be a defender. He's a bright lad, a very, very bright boy. And I think he's come on. I think I think he has come on. I think Kieran Clark has been decent. Um, but there are no real standout ones, and and if people say, well, Almiron and 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 ASM, they're just laws unto themselves. Those players, they are 
they are enigmas. You know, you, you, you don't control what they do. You can't really um, coach them to a degree. You just have to let them go. Uh, I think it's finished uh, at yeah final score Palace nil Fulham nil so that's a good result could have been a yeah. lot worse looking at yeah. the way that game went um, so yeah. they stay behind us um, by three points not by the one and uh, yeah. yeah we shouldn't be relying on other teams but it does it does us a big favour that so good no, news and it, Meg and it, and it goes back to what I said earlier about Newcastle being the story all, all the commentators and all the media were talking about last night was if Newcastle get beat off Wolves, then Fulham can catch them tomorrow. And Fulham can catch them and Newcastle could be in the bottom three by the end of play on Sunday. What you could also say was, again, going back to the, the glass half full, glass half empty, if Newcastle had won last night, we'd have gone above Brighton and Hove Albion. You know, we'd have been a place up the table. But nobody wants to say that. No, nobody wants to say, oh, if Newcastle win here and they're 1-0 up against Wolves um, and, and but for a stupid you know, concession of a goal, which was a poor goal to concede, you know, they, they, they could, I'm saying could, not would, but could, could have won the game 1-0. We could have been sitting here with Newcastle above Brighton and Fulham looking to chase Brighton rather than chase Newcastle. Newcastle are the story. They're always the story. Blue Moon Boy says, Mick, I've heard you speak about uh, Sir Bobby not comprehending a player living in a house worth upwards of a million pounds. Is, is that what we see at Newcastle? A reflection of the game as a whole or just Newcastle? Do you know what it is, Steve? This guy must be a mind reader. Because I was thinking this morning when I was coming on, I was thinking about, because there's this furor about um, uh, the substitution and Matt Ritchie not, not relaying comments and and this happening and that happening. And I was thinking about players taking responsibility. And I was thinking about players being mollycoddled and players being spoiled and players being treated like children and players being an academy from the age of nine years of age. And whether I think to myself, because they're in academies at nine years of age through no fault of their own, because football clubs do this, and they call them scholars, even though there's no schooling involved whatsoever, they just play football from the age of nine. They don't learn. They don't do the educational stuff that we did as normal kids. So actually, through no fault of their own, and I'm going to say this, through no fault of their own, when they get to 17, 18 and they start playing football, they're not the brightest in the world. And, um, and, 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 and as a result, you get the jokes about the credit cards, you get the jokes about this, that and the other. And my mind went back to this story. And the story was that if Steve Bruce is struggling, and I'm sure he is, and I'm sure he's not the only manager, to come to terms with the modern-day footballer, I'm thinking, this isn't new. This isn't new. Back in 1998 or whatever it was, so we're talking 20-odd years, nearly 20 years, um, Sir Bobby. So Sir Bobby came back, having been in, uh, uh, abroad for years, uh, and that story, I'll, I'll, I will tell it for people who haven't told it. So I, I, I'm at Chesley Street one day and I said to Sir Bobby, have you found anywhere to live yet? And Bobby says, I'm looking to buy my boy, my boy. I'm looking to buy Kenny Dalglish's old house in, in Durham, overlooking the railway there. I said, I know you mean Kenny. As you go out of uh, Durham Station, if you look up to your right, there's a big red brick building. And that's where Kenny Dalglish lived when he was manager of Newcastle. He said, I'm thinking about buying Kenny's old place. I said, 
I said, Bobby, I, th I think Rob Lee's buying that. He said, no, 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 my boy, no, my boy. You don't understand, you don't understand. I'm buying Kenny's old house. I said, yeah, I think Rob Lee's buying it. No, 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 my boy, my boy, you don't understand. It's a million pound house. It's a million pound house. I said, yeah, I think Rob, no, 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 no. It's a million pound house. I said, oh, I, I think Rob Lee's buying it. Anyway, two weeks later, have you found anywhere to live, Bobby? Rob Lee bought that house. Rob Lee bought that house. <laughs> so, so Rob Lee had bought Kenny's old house for a million pounds. He had no idea that players could afford million pound houses. He used to stand at Chesley Street. What? Look at the cars. What, why are they driving these cars? I used to go to Fulham on the bus. I used to go to Fulham on the bus. Look at the cars they're driving. Honestly. Brilliant. You know, they are, and that was 20 odd years ago. Now they are completely running football. They don't. They don't need to answer to anybody. They don't need to justify themselves. Shay Given, Shay Given on Friday night, I watched Derby against Forest. The camera went in the crowd, and Derby were going to make a substitution, and Shay had his laptop showing Derby's next substitute what he needed to do when he went on. He's going. So you do this, you do that, you know. And this kid's looking at it. You know, this kid's not Czechoslovakian, because once upon a time you did actually have to explain because they didn't speak English. But no, this is this is just a kid who's going on against Nottingham Forest in a championship game on a Friday night. And Shea, as a coach, a goalkeeper, is an outfield player is being told where he needs to go. So this morning, when I'm told that because Jamal Lewis can't defend and because Martin Dubravka can't get a strong enough hand to a header that should be saved... Matt Ritchie is responsible because he couldn't get instructions. But the fact that Matt Ritchie has to go out and tell them where they need to go and what they need to do. Once upon a time, a right back was a right back, a left back was a left back, bloody bloody blah. Yeah. It's well, it's 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 a different world, Steve. It's a different world. It is a different world. Uh, Ludwig says, does Steve have a smile? He has the countenance of a doorman on a bank holiday. Well, actually, I used to be... A, I, for, for 18 years, that's exactly what I did. Here's a photo of us not smiling on the door at Christmas. Uh, just just, just for you, Ludwig. So uh, we'll finish off, Mick, by looking ahead to the uh, the game uh, next week. Uh, no, just, just, just on Go that on. subject, Steve, I should just quickly say, Steve Bruce probably wishes he hadn't smiled a week ago. Yes, uh, exactly. Oh, yeah, that was uh, that was a a big big thing as well, wasn't it? Well, let's let's fin let's talk on that before we look at West Brom, uh, before we finish the show. I mean, that was yeah, you know, it's just a bit of naivety for somebody who's been in the job for so long, Mick. I think, I, I, as I say, I, I, and I think I said this last time. I think the problem that Steve Bruce has is, and it's not a problem for me. Um, and you know, he's had an illustrious career. Uh, I think he's a decent guy. I think he's a proper guy. Um, and at the end of the day, he shouldn't have to worry about whether he smiles or not. But, but, it's so naive, it's untrue. Uh, I don't think he should need to be told, but maybe he does need to be told. But if you're walking off against Manchester United, having been beaten again, I don't care whether Oli Gunnar Solskjaer tells you the funniest joke in the history of the world. You keep it deadpan. You just walk off. Ten minutes later, in the dressing room, you can do whatever you want in private, but you don't subject Newcastle fans and you don't subject the rest of the world to you laughing when you come off. 
And I, I, and I get that he had a go at somebody who asked him the question yesterday, but I'm sorry. In his heart of hearts, if he doesn't know, he, he dropped a rick there. And, and also, it slightly worries me, it slightly worries me that I think if it was me and a lot of other people I know, if I was walking off at Old Trafford, having beaten again, thinking I could lose my job as a result of this, the last thing I would want to do was talk to Oli Gunasarskia. Never mind, you know, share. And I don't care if Oli Gunasarskia said Newcastle the greatest team I've ever seen. You just walk off, deadpan, um, even if you're not forcing it. You know, it, that should be your natural reaction to get off the pitch and be devastated and upset that you've lost a game of football. Did you see the show, the interview, Paul Aidson's asking as well, where he just basically said that if you just run around, that's enough for the Newcastle fans? I didn't see that. Was that after yesterday? No, that was prior to yesterday. It was a private interview midweek. Um, one of those podcast things that uh, the club seemed to be getting the players to do, but uh, more or less just saying that's all That's all the, the fans up here expected. Uh, if it was a club interview, I'd be amazed if that's what he said, and I'd be amazed if um, that's what they let get out. Um, as I said, I think last time, I, I, I quite like, I, you know, I thought I thought John Joe Shelby was decent last night. I think by his standards, you know, he's, he, he was more controlled. He was more disciplined. Um, his passing was decent most of the time. Um, that would disappoint me. Oh, obviously, it would disappoint me because I, I do think he's one of the, I think he's one of the good guys. I think he's one of the, 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 the players who uh, genuinely cares uh, about what Newcastle do and what Newcastle don't do. Yeah, it was uh, studs up. That's where the interview appeared. If anybody wants to see it, uh, it was quite an interesting interview um, to, to say the least. Yeah, let's look ahead to next weekend, Mick, before we finish. West Brom, um, obviously difficult to say who's going to be playing until we find out what's happened with the injured players. But it's a game we can't afford to lose. Well, you can't afford, you know, I was looking back at the stats, um, you know, of the, of, the, of the other relegation seasons. Rafa actually won three of three of ten. And still went down by two two points. Allen won only one of eight uh, and went down by one point. So it, it'll be fine margins. West Bromwich Albion, I don't think they're the worst in the world. I don't think they're the worst in the world. But I do think that Newcastle without Callum Wilson and if they're without ASM and they're without Almira, it's difficult to think where they will create something from. Sam Allardyce, We'll, we'll, I think Sam Allardyce will bill it as their last, as their last chance. You know, if, if if they win next week, they might, might, might. It's a hugely slim chance, but they might just survive. So I think he will be feeding them red meat all week. They have something about them that you know that they they that they're not the worst team in the world. Um, and I just fear for Newcastle in terms of of their creativity. Quick prediction, Mick. Uh, I would take a draw. I would take a draw without a doubt. Without a doubt. Great stuff, mate. Okay, I think most of us. I think most of us would. Um, obviously, we're coming to the business end of the season, so maybe try and get you on in a couple of weeks' time after we've played West Brom and after we've played Villa. So maybe he's on the on the fourteenth of March, Mick. If you're up for it. Absolutely, no problem whatsoever. Great stuff, mate. As always, an absolute pleasure to speak to you. You stay safe. See you in a couple of weeks, mate. And you stay. Cheers, mate. Take bye care. Bye bye.
critics attack It feels like I've been talking to myself again But it's the only way 